headspace wise, I feel a lot healthier this year in a in, a, in an actual sort of a good good mental way, but also just I can actually really, you know, I put my whole focus onto camp and yeah, you know, I've got the record label and I'm doing the podcast and DJing and dad of four and all that stuff. But you know, it's 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 always a it's always a kind of juggling act. But I think in terms of camp, we've we've given it a hundred percent of our you know headspace and creative sort of um, ideas and and you know like I said, lineup and stuff. So you know, I really feel like this year we've. Yeah, we'll we'll have delivered from that point of view. So all we need is um, sunshine and a lovely crowd, and um, we'll be we'll be away. I've, I have learned over fifteen years that you, you can't really be too um, sure. And you know, last year, yeah, you know, unfortunately on the Sunday of Camp Festival, we we had the thunderstorm of all thunderstorms, and um, you know, very very high winds that we actually had to close the site on the Sunday um, and you know luckily we, did, we hadn't let people onto the site on the Sunday and nearly everyone actually understood the, the reason for that and were very sympathetic but you know that, that's kind of extremely stressful as a, as a promoter and someone who's a kind of you know running it as a family business it's, this isn't some sort of um, corporate um, hobby you know it's like um it's our livelihood so uh yeah that you know that you, you get things like that which have been a challenge maybe we'd expanded too quickly and we actually wanted to get it back to an, an, a different level and, and that sort of coincided with well the onslaught of hundreds of other festivals all starting up and so it, it came back to a more sort of reasonable level a lot of festivals, you know, you, you, you can kind of live or die by your first announcement now, um, whereas you used to be able to get, get, a bit of a, get given a bit of a chance now, you know, if you come out with the wrong headliner or you, you do something that you're not, you know, that doesn't go down 100% well with your crowd, then, you know, that, that can really affect your show. So it's, it's kind of terrifying. It makes it a bit, a bit more kind of frightening. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring, educating, and connecting the startup community to help you make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional delivery partner for Virgin Startup. Each episode provides the story of an entrepreneur who talks us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Welcome to episode 145 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm super excited this week as your host, Alex Chisnell. More so than usual. Firstly, my guest this week is Rob DeBank, legendary DJ and festival founder. Secondly, we are launching our annual day-long event. And thirdly, I'm also launching a new business this week. So, This year's annual event is going to be on October the 17th in Bournemouth at the Hilton's number one hotel in the UK. It's going to be called Reaching Millions, the Screw It, Just Do It way. And do say so myself, put together the best lineup outside of London for an entrepreneurial event, definitely in the southwest of England that I've seen. Um, I'm going to be releasing a podcast episode 
dedicated just to this later this week, but um, I wanted to give you, screw it just to audience, heads up that we're going to be going live on Wednesday, the 10th of July. Easiest way to find out about this, as I'd like to give you the first opportunity to get tickets. Um, we're going to be limited by the size of the venue, as is every um, event. And we're going to be releasing a very limited number of early bird tickets. These will be, um, you won't get a lower price than this. So I'd like to offer this to you first. Um, Wednesday, the 10th of July. Easiest way is to go to the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page, um, where we will be publishing the events. If you follow me already on social media, at Alex Chisnell on everything, you'll also um, be able to see everything that we post up about the event. Um, I can say at this point that we're launching with a couple of the speakers. We've got, I think, eight speakers and also a couple of, um, what would I call it, a couple of panel a couple of panel events as well with a number of different speakers, but we're launching with um, Grenade founders, Juliet Barrett and Alan Barrett, who started with 27 pound in the bank and exited in 2017 for 72 million. Um, Alan is still CEO of Grenade and also Lush co-founder Rowena Bird as well. So somebody from the local community, somebody from further afield with an amazing story. Um, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Juliet before, but not Alan. And got some really, really good speakers. We'll be basically releasing one every single week um, for the next six weeks and keeping one big, big triple A list speaker to be announced in early September as well. So as I said, early bird tickets going on sale Wednesday, July the 10th at £150. Um, for me, that's a bargain. I know I'm biased, but you're going to be paying God double, quadruple, if you're in London for something like that, for this kind of event, a whole day long event, you get a three course lunch, you get parking um, and a beautiful part of the country to come and rub shoulders with the speakers, get to ask them your questions, interact with them and our audience. So Facebook page, screw it, just do it at Alex Chisnell to keep full track of all things to do with our Reaching Millions event this October the 17th. Now, back to today's show, and I welcome Rob DeBank, DJ and co-founder of Music Festivals Best of All, Common People and Camp Best of All. Rob started Best of All back in 2004 and has survived the surge in popularity festivals have enjoyed in what has increasingly become a very, very competitive space. Best of All doubled in size every year for seven or eight years, reaching a peak of 55,000 people and playing host to artists such as the Beastie Boys, Amy Winehouse, Stevie Wonder and Elton John. He's also showcased his DJing all over the world, hosted his own show on Radio 1 and is credited with helping develop bar-based music culture. He's also got his own podcast, the A to Z of Festivals, and is married to Camp Festival co-founder Josie and has four kids. In a very honest and open chat, Rob talks through the highs and lows of his entrepreneurial life. I started out by asking him how he put together a lineup that mixes Napalm Death, Jess Glynn and Goldie Looking Chain. Let's start up. I'm quite proud of the lineup this year, and I'm not always proud of my lineup. So um, <laughs> it's, um, I think, with no festival to, um, to program this year, 
Um, I kind of maybe, yeah, maybe went a bit more left field on the on the camp festival lineup. Obviously, maybe people who haven't been think camp's quite a sort of safe kind of uh, poppy family show. But actually, you know, like Caravanserai, which is our sort of um, alternative area, is absolutely jam packed with parents and kids, kind of loving kind of electro skiffle and mad folk music and gypsy punk and so you know there's a real range of people come to camp and so yeah i just wanted to reflect that with the with the lineup so i mean i've no idea how napalm death and raw murder death are going to go down but i'm glad that we've sort of uh, gone off in that tangent even just for, for the risk yeah, definitely. I think I think on paper it, lo- it looks brilliant. I mean, how how long does that actually take you to, um, to to put together, or is it literally like a ongoing process year on year, and you you just you set a deadline that you have to get people over the line by? Yeah, I mean, like like you say, it's um, I mean, you know, the deadline really for headliners, you you don't really want to be putting them out any later than. And kind of the end of January, ideally, sometimes that, that goes back a little bit, and sometimes you, you've got everything nailed by Christmas. But you know, mm. roughly speaking, on our festivals, we're, we're booking from kind of well, booking ongoing, but you know, you try and get the lineup together by October, November of the, of the year before. So, I mean, I'm literally just booking a headliner for 2020 now, but I know that there's plenty of festivals that have already got all their headliners in Glastonbury. Wow. I think we've all already got theirs for next year. And so, you know, I hmm. think 10 years ago, well, 15 years ago, when we started Festival, you, you could you could go back out after the festival had finished, which for us was September, and then you could start slowly booking and by sort of February, March, you'd kind of be done and then you'd announce it. But, but that has totally changed now. And because of the competition, every, everyone is on it at least a year in advance, really. So... Hmm. It's it's made that bit a bit more um, stressful. So I'll, I'll probably come out of the back of camp best and go. Oh right, okay, I've got a few weeks to chill out and then start <laughs> and then and realise that I actually really need to get on with it and and uh, I'll be I'll be behind behind. I was chatting to um, a chap called Roger Woodall runs a Bournemouth Sevens Festival and yeah, um, yeah. I think they're in year twelve now and um, he's clearly created something that, um, that, that that's very ongoing, real community-driven. But um, he literally says that the day after the festival, he, he shoots off to the Bahamas. Do you, do you take the same view or do you, you've got so much going on other than your festival with the music, et cetera, your own podcast, your own radio show? I, I guess that's not the case. Lucky old Roger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, know, I know Roger and, um, yeah, it's great, great what he's doing. Um, I Yeah, no, I, no, that's definitely not the case. I... We can't really afford to take our, our foot off the gas. So, yeah, I'm not saying we'd never take a holiday, but we do. Um, it's, um, yes, I mean, straight after camp, then we, you know, we obviously need to make sure that everything's kind of packed up. And we're very hands-on, you know, we're down on the site when the first kind of markers go out in the campsite and we're kind of there when people are clearing off, um, you know, not, not not the punters, but the actual uh, clearing up the site. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of control freaks, Josie and I, and we, we like to know what's going on with everything. So uh, holidays come a bit later. And and what does it look like now? Um, we're recording this a couple of weeks before, and then the episode will, will go out a couple of weeks before as well in the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah. how, do you, how do you feel at the moment? Do you feel any different from previous years? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm in the I'm in the camp festival office, um, and the team is kind of beavering away. So, I mean, this year, I don't know if it's just a cliche, but it seems to really come around very quickly. Um, you know, we had 
you know, not our finest year, not not in terms of the actual show, but we just had quite a, a sort of up and down year. So it feels like we're moving towards some kind of um, validation of the last year's stress. And, um, you know, I was sort of hoping that, yeah, praying for sun probably more than ever and just kind of gearing up for, you know, what should be another cracking camp festival. I, th- I think, you know, we spent a bit more money on the lineup. We have kind of gone to town um, with some you know, new stuff. And I, I think, you know, the reaction's been really good and the ticket sales have been good. So all of that side's great. It's just that, as we've learned over the last 15 years, there's just so many variables in, in festival land. And I think it's, you know, it's kind of like being an entrepreneur. You get the ups and the downs. And, and uh, you, you know, with festivals, it probably likes another risk, risk heavy jobs. So it's it's just kind of it's slightly nerve wracking um, in the in the in the build up to it. And um, you know, will, will people go to where the biggest act are or their favourite bands? Or will will they're more likely to come to somewhere that's got longevity and you've built that kind of community where they can see the same friends year in year out? Yeah, I, I suppose we sort of fall between those two two camps excuse the pun and mm-hmm. um yeah i mean we you know we we do need headliners we need big headliners i think people expect that from our show because that's what we've always done so it'd be great to say oh well this year guys we're not going to have big headliners we're going to spend more money on you know something in the woods but people mm-hmm. i don't think would go for that so yeah you have to have the big acts for us uh, i think the pester power of you know young um well kids of all ages you know they they, they want to see a jesslyn or they want to see yeah. a or a you know, whoever and the dads want to see Goldie or Black Grape. And the, you know, I'm, <laughs> Definitely. I'm, I'm stereotyping people. <laughs> no, you're right, though. Black Grape. I've got the wives here, but, you know, and the mum, you know, they'll, you know, Human League or no Rogers or whatever. So it's, it's, a, it's a kind of box-ticking exercise without making it sound mundane. But, you know, we need stuff for the mums. We need stuff for the dads. We need stuff for parents. We need stuff for five-year-olds. We need stuff for... 12 year olds we need stuff for teens it's um you know we, roger with his born with seven thing is brilliant because it's got a, a very good identity and people kind of go for for what he does as as the whole picture and you know with best of all we had that for a while um you know where people came because it was the experience and i, I think right until you know we did the the sort of um temporarily last one last year then it you know that was the sort of formula was you know, yeah, there's some big headliners and great acts, but mostly it was about people just escaping for, for three or four days. Um, but with camp, I, I definitely think, yeah, it, you know, you do need the headliners. And I never shy away from that. I never, we never sort of shortchange people on that. Mm. And and how much um, do you do research on, on other festivals now just to see um, – how things have changed, what, what other kind of things people are trying. And again, I only take that from, um, from Roger, who's, you know, I think they've just done year 12 now and he said he's literally going to go and spend this summer um, instead of going on holiday like he normally does, checking out as many kind of small to medium festivals as he can for, for, for new ideas. Um, I think we're sort of quietly kind of proud of our own um, identity and ideas. And I'm, I'm not, not to say at all that we wouldn't um, notice lots of great things at other people's festivals. But I think we've got so many of our own ideas. And I do feel um, that once you start looking at other shows, then you're maybe diluting your own show. And that, that's not to say at all that 
by Roger going around and looking at other people's shows. That's going to dilute his show. Uh, but I think for us, we're a very, very creative show, very highly sort of arts-based and idea-based. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Josie, between me and Josie and our team, we, we can't get in the amount of ideas that we've got anyway. So <laughs> I don't want anyone yeah. not getting any other ideas. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's plenty of things to learn from, you know, plastic free festivals to um, greener festivals to, um, you know, disability access at festivals. So that, those sort of things, absolutely. I, I, you know, we just got back from Glastonbury and we're, you know, I was, I was looking at all those things there and how, mm. how those things work. So, I think in terms of how to run a festival, you can always learn in terms of the actual creative and fun ideas on site. We've sort of um, we've got those in spades. So it's, um, yeah, kind of balancing act, really. And um, did you, I saw, I think, on your, on your own po- podcast um, that you'd interviewed uh, Emily from Glastonbury. Um, did you chat about those those kind of issues as well, um, like offline as well, like with the um, sustainability and the banning single use plastics, that kind of thing? Yeah, totally. And you know, Emily and Nick are, um, are normal people, like um, like me or or anyone else running a festival. That you know, they they don't exist in some kind of separate stratosphere of, of excellence. You know, yeah, Glastonbury's an amazing show, my my favourite place on earth. But you know, they have the same issues and and the same media attention. You know, you you can't save a plastic free and then bob people off. You know, the the, the logistics of trying to you know deplasticize which isn't a word but i like it um your your festival is um is is a massive task and for glastonbury more than anywhere because it's twice the size of anyone else so it's um yeah i mean you know they've got huge issues with that and you know this this year the water kind of ran out on the saturday or sunday and they had to turn that off in the campsites and you know obviously there's a scorching weekend and the whole of somerset were sort of bashing the water so it's you know people we all suffer from the same um worries and concerns and um so yeah i mean emily emily um you know i, I interviewed her back in january or february when it was when it was still snowing on the site and um <laughs> and she was having sleepless nights even at that point so I'm, I'm sure she's very relieved it's all over now yeah yeah i, I bet um and it, I, obvious question to lead on to from that is how, how much does it consume you and Josie's life um you obviously do a fair bit um outside of the festival itself but um yeah look, looking from the outside in and just running small events myself you know for a couple of hundred people and I know what it's like on the day and like the day before but um it seems so many moving parts when, you, when you're doing a festival how does um how does it consume your life and how do you balance it out at all if you do indeed um, it, I mean, uh, you know, last year we were doing four festivals, um, two common people festival and camp this year, we're only doing camp festivals. So I have to say headspace wise, I feel a lot healthier mm. this year in a, in a, in an actual sort of, uh, good, good mental yeah. way, but also just, I can actually really, you know, I put my whole focus onto camp and yeah, you know, I've got the record label and I'm doing the podcast and DJing and dad of four and all that stuff but you know it's 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 always a it's always a kind of juggling act but I think in terms of camp we've we've given it a hundred percent of our you know headspace and creative sort of um ideas and and you know like I say line up and stuff so Mm. you know I really feel like this year we've 
yeah, we'll we'll have delivered from that point of view. So all we need is um, sunshine and a lovely crowd, and um, we'll be we'll be away. Mm. How far ahead do you do you look at the weather? Then does that does that become an all-consuming thing, or just go? It will be what it will be. Uh, yeah, pretty much the latter. But someone sent me a screen grab of a, a thunderstorm on Sunday. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> this year, it's like three weeks out, and I'm thinking, uh, uh, you know, that's that's too far. I know, Thanks for that. I know full well from. I mean, you know, we've had festivals where three days before it said it's going to be the most glorious, beautiful weekend, and then it's it's been pouring with rain three days later. So it's it's. Mm. I, I have learned over fifteen years that you, you can't really be too um sure and you know last year yeah you know unfortunately on the sunday of camp festival we, we had the thunderstorm of all thunderstorms and yeah. um, you know very very high winds that we actually had to close the site on the sunday um and you know luckily we did, we hadn't let people onto the site on the sunday and nearly everyone actually understood the, the reason for that and were very sympathetic but you know that, that's kind of extremely stressful as a, as a promoter and someone who's a kind of you know, running it as a family business, it's, this isn't some sort of um, corporate um, hobby. You know, it's like mm. um, it's our livelihood. So uh, yeah, that you know, that you, you get things like that which have been a challenge. And I'm assuming in 15 years that was that the the biggest challenge that you you had, or the biggest decision you had to make, literally shutting down for a day. And you know, how long did you? talk about doing it before you reached that decision was that something that was made quite quickly or did you literally talk that through for, for quite a while um yeah i mean I, no we talked i mean obviously we saw it coming it was mm. you know saturday night was already getting pretty lively and then all morning from about 7 a.m till probably midday we were in a, in a in and out of meetings with the police and emergency services and council and the, the producers of the show who, who kind of got hold the health and safety keys and you know you know I was, there was lots of tears and there was lots of <laughs> sort of shouting and banging on tables and you know we were we were a bit split and then we all kind of saw the the sense when fences started um falling over that, that we needed to sort of um call that a day and like I say apart from you know you know some missed acts then people were mostly happy to go home and look forward to coming back this year and um interested to know again um how, how do you split things up between yourself and josie is it a, an artistic slash music um division or how, how do you scope it out and, and did you do that very early on um yeah i mean you know roughly speaking since we started festival and came up with that concept then you know, I've always pretty much done the, the music and some of the kind of bigger ideas and, you know, driven the themes and some of that stuff. And then Josie's been very hands-on with, the, you know, from hand-painted signs and the way the site looks through to, I mean, Josie very much took over for a few years on everything from financial to, to how the site ran and, um, Firing and firing and all that. So I mean, yeah, but we both, um, you know, we both kind of, yeah, split split everything kind of down the middle. But roughly speaking, she's kind of arts and creativity, and I'm on music. Um, and then we both sort of weigh in on on everything from ticketing to HR to you know, we're sort <laughs> of jack of all jack of all trades, if you will. And do you, do you keep a team going on throughout the year, or do you kind of mothball it during the winter? How, how does it work for you guys? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lovely idea that sort of um, 
the moss falling thing. And I think <laughs> I'm sure you can't, but I thought I'd ask. No, no, no. When we started festival, then you know, I came out of the back of that show and thought, thank Christ, that's over. I'm not, not in a bad way, but it was, <laughs> no, it was, no. it was a total baptism of fire. And I thought, well, we can have a few months off now. And we, you know, it was, it was straight away we realised that it was a, a year-round venture. So we've right. always had a, a full team year round the teams you know slightly smaller this year because we're just doing one show at the moment mm. but there's some other shows in the pipeline for next year so the team you know it's, it's expanded a little bit again um yeah absolutely we've got people people employed year round and you know it goes from a, a core team um up to you know hundreds and then thousands over the actual weekend so you kind of mm. go from a fairly small small office team you know for nine months of the year and then you know for a few months it's going up into the hundreds and thousands and um hmm. so yeah there's a lot of lot of different moving parts to to kind of uh coordinate about and then rewinding right back to the beginning um when did you make the decision to to actually start a festival and and what was um what was the reasoning behind it at the time what was the kind of catalyst um, yeah, I mean, I've been running this club called Sunday Best in, yep. in London, which was kind of really well known as a kind of chill out club, which sounds odd now, but at the time, chill out was a kind of new thing. Mm. And this whole sort of um, not having to go to a, rave, a trance rave or a jungle rave, you know, it was, it was like, you know, you could sit around, you could play board games, read the paper, have something to eat, chat with your friends and listen to some really good music. And, have a bit of a dance so it was kind of when bar culture was literally just launching as well you know there used to just be like old men's pubs and um and then trance raves and yeah uh, oversimplifying it but that was kind of the picture and then this whole thing of bar culture and actually just being a bit more easy came in and, and that that sort of set the template for festivals so we you know there weren't that many festivals around and we just thought there was a space for a really fun Sunday Best style festival and so yeah festival was born out of that you know I think originally we thought it was just going to be like a day show a bit like Homelands or what Creamfields was like then mm. and then and then it, um, yeah it just kind of turned into a, a three-day affair to start with 4,000 people turned up which is a, a great kind of amount for a first year and and then and then it just really snowballed you know we, we kind of doubled in size every year for the first seven or eight years and you know, it got up to like fifty-five thousand people, and and wow. Red Elton and Stevie Wonder, and mm. so I'm fast-forwarding through a decade of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a it was a mad sort of success story in terms of um, yeah, you know, the the sort of um acceleration of it um, and and then we sort of probably realised that maybe we'd expanded too quickly, and we actually wanted to get it back to. And, and a different level and, and that sort of coincided with well the onslaught of hundreds of other festivals all starting up and so it, it came back to a more sort of reasonable level of like between 25 and 30,000 people and yeah so that's kind of the sort of potted history of it but yeah I mean it started with the same ethos as, as Sunday Best which is good good music lots of fun and the, you know the, the crowd being the most important part of that and I think people that came to festival and will hopefully come to festival again sometime you know we'll, we'll, we'll see that that it's uh, that, that's you know the audience are the most important people and, and interesting to know how have you seen the the actual promotion uh, of the festivals change and you, you touched on 
um, you know, what a crowded market it, it's become. Um, but how different is it actually promoting compared to a decade or so ago when, when social media wasn't such an all-encompassing tool as it is now? Yeah, I mean, I think when we started, then, yeah, you know, it was an advert in the NME and it was, uh, you know, <laughs> flyers around the Isle of Wight and, you know, a bug on Radio 1 maybe um, and, and sort of word of mouth and then and then social media came along. Um, you know, I remember standing in, in the field at the festival with, with Bruce who still heads up our social media and he, he, he said, oh, Robbie, I want you to send a... a, a a tweet on Twitter and it was just like sounded like complete gobbledygook and, <laughs> and uh, you know like that's when I sent my first tweet you know, <laughs> I don't know 10-12 years ago and, and it, it sort of yeah so that it, it completely changed it and, and in, a, in a good way you know obviously you can get your message out a lot quicker you know here's our lineup. this is what we do look at all these amazing pictures and videos you know you can get your message across in, in two minutes um, but yeah I, I, I also with my old older person hat on then I sort of missed the the sort of um, the days where it was kind of it was a bit harder to win the crowd and and you know I think that's why Bessel had such a or has such a kind of loyal crowd because you know we had to work hard to get those people to come to come to the to the festival um, but yeah you know I, I think it's good good things and bad things you know I think the a lot of a lot of festivals, you know, you, you you can kind of live or die by your first announcement now. Um, whereas you used to be able to get get a bit of a, get given a bit of a chance. Now, you know, if you come out with the wrong headliner or you, you do something that you're not, you know, that doesn't go down 100 percent well with your crowd, then you know that that can really affect your show. So it's it's kind of terrifying. It makes it a bit a bit more kind of frightening. But um, yeah, you know, still yeah, it's, it's, it's still a good place to be in. And, and have you had any um, direct um, stories that are like yourself when you when you've announced a, a, an act and you've you've literally had you know feedback or, or you just it just hasn't um, generated enough interest that you're expecting it to like you ever kind of look back and thought we we got that year wrong or we got that year absolutely spot on. Um, yeah, I. I I mean, most years put you, you know, on the spot now, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm totally honest about um, about the, you know the ups and downs of running festivals, and you know, ninety five percent of the time we we've we've totally nailed it, and we've been very lucky, you know, from from Beastie Boys to Amy Winehouse, you know, two acts that will never play again, you know, through to the likes of Craftwork, Elton John, Stevie Wonder, you know, acts that you can't see at every festival, you know, we, we nailed it, absolutely nailed it on, on a lot of levels. You know, there were a couple of years where through bad luck of headliners and, you know, very occasionally bad judgment, then we, we maybe haven't, we haven't totally um, got it right. And, uh, I can't I can't think of any specifics right off the top of my head, but I, I know I know that um you know that's that's happened and uh, but I think you know it's it's also a movable kind of feast in that you know people I don't think people understand how hard it is to get the headliners. I think maybe they do, but um <laughs> you still get a hard time. So it's like if you come out with something that's your fourth or fifth choice for a headliner, you can't really say, well guys, you know this is this is my fourth choice. I did I did. 
did have, you know, Kate Bush lined up, but actually she she said no. Then Prince died sadly, and so we've ended up with such and such. And it's yeah, like, yeah. You know that, that you can't really you can't really say that. So, um, and the expectation is extremely high. You know, it's like the Isle of Wight festival this year because we, we live on the Isle of Wight. You know, people were like down on on the lineup. It was a, it was a really great lineup, but people are like, mm. you know, George Edwards shouldn't be headlining, or Noel Gallagher's played too many times, or this or that. And yeah, it's like, yeah. well you know you kind of get what you what you're paying for and you know that, that those are really good headliners for for that festival so it's um yeah it's difficult to kind of um second guess what people want as well so you know you, you think you know your audience until you until you press send on on the tweet and <laughs> and you really find out who your audience are yeah and and with yourself um in camp festival especially because it's uh, you know focus on on family um how much input do you now get or do you get anything like from, from your own children um and taking them to festivals um and seeing your audience clearly grow and their children get old, older over the years as well yeah yeah i mean you know we, we just took our our three eldest um boys to um to glastonbury um sort of bit the bullet and thought we'd give that a try which was amazing and i'm um, absolutely no regrets i'm really awesome with them and they, they had an amazing time and it was just so good seeing them their eyes being open to this to this incredible festival and and mm. you know seeing stormzy headline or going to see an act like bugsy malone in the yeah John tent with my 13 year old you know that they're, they're, they're sort of like moments that they'll never forget and so yeah they do feed that back into luckily they haven't asked if storms can do camp festival so. <laughs> i think it's yeah his fee's just gone up <laughs> it might be slightly out of our bracket now um i did find some footage so my 13 year old of storms doing festival four years ago which i was quite proud of because brilliant he like, well, he's, he's done festival dad what <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, we were there first. Um, <laughs> I love they, it. Yeah, no, they, they absolutely do feed in, you know, the likes of Lewis Powdy, Big Shack and Rapsu and um, mm. Max and Harvey. Um, some, some of those acts have come via pester power from my own, from my own household. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, I, I just follow my, follow my instincts really with, with that. But um but yeah, I, I'm, it's sort of almost getting to the stage now where they're, I mean, Arlo, the eldest, he DJs with me at Camp Festival. Um, he, he's like massively into grime, so it's quite grime heavy, his set. But, um, <laughs> and, and then Merlin, our second son, is going to be um, running a kind of um, a food trading unit there with, with, with some of some um, adult help on that and stuff. So yeah, Very they're cool. getting involved. I, yeah. I, it's not like we're pushing them into it, but um, but they they are just kind of accidentally falling into it, mm. leaving a, leaving a legacy. I love it. Um, and, and just just to finish up, um, Rob, um, who, who's still on the uh, the top of your hit list? Then that you, you'd still like to get um, over the next couple of years? Is there someone who's kind of been there for many years that you've never been able to get hold of that uh, that you or Josie or now your kids, by the sound of it, want want to get as well? Oh God! I mean, yeah, you know, lots of lots of people from, uh, like as I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, Kate Bush, who, who I've heard a rumor it might be doing Glastonbury, but that would be incredible. But I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but yeah, you know, through to Al Green or or for the for the kids, you know, someone like Sam Smith. Um, but I mean, yeah, the the list sort of is 
is endless of, of kind of iconic um, people. But, you know, I think people understand with camp as well. The first few years, it was like, right, we want Coldplay, we want you 2 and we want Against the Machine or, I, I don't know, like Aretha Franklin or, you know, and, and I think people understood that there is a, a finite budget with camp because it's, it's, you know, a large proportion of the budget goes on creating two huge fields full of family kind of um, fun. So, uh, whereas at festival, you know, I could put a lot of uh, money into the talent budget. Um, uh, then at camp, a lot of that has to get spent on, um, on, on all the other stuff that's there for, for families to do, which they, which they love. So, yeah, it's, it's just a kind of mixture. Awesome. Um, well, appreciate you taking the time um, to talk to us on today's show. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. What a great chat. Um, I really enjoyed chatting to Rob. I'm super excited. You know, if you are going to Camp Best of All this July, um, then have an awesome time. It's a great event. Um, if you're planning on going, go grab yourself some tickets and stay tuned this week for... Reaching Millions, the Screw It, Just Do It way, October the 17th. Tickets going on sale on Wednesday, the 10th of July. Limited number of early bird tickets. This will be um, the lowest price. You'll see price will be going up as we announce more and more speakers. Every single week, we'll be announcing a new speaker, keeping one big gun in reserve for this September. And would love you to be there. Last event that we had last October, we had people come from all over the UK um, to um, to meet up, to meet our speakers, meet each other, meet myself, rub shoulders with our speakers, ask them their own questions. And it was an amazing, amazing thing to be a part of, I have to say. So would love you to be there this year. As I say, I'm going to be dedicating a podcast episode to the launch this week but you can get ahead of the game um, by going to the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page um, this Wednesday, the 10th of July, or I'll be releasing that on all my social media at Alex Chisnell um, on Wednesday, the 10th of July as well. So uh, back to today's guest. Um, for me, a couple of things I wanted to pull out. Um, having a strong brand, how important is that, um, especially in differentiating um, who you are and what you do? In you know, 15 years that Rob's been in business with festivals, look um, how competitive that landscape now is, how many have come and gone. So very important to, to stand out from the crowd. Um, also, their relationship has stood the test of time. Working with your partner, um, haven't done it myself. Um, I think my wife's the one who says she couldn't work with me. Tells its own story, I'm sure. But um, they've done incredibly well. Very important to divide up the responsibilities and also um, to divide, you know, where do you draw the line about talking about work? Um Expanding too quickly, I can relate to that. I've done that. Um, had a failure there with with a previous business in the health and fitness space with um, sports injury clinics. Um, temptation to expand too quickly, not having a solid enough foundation already to be able to do that. Um, definitely lessons to be learned. I'm sure I'm not the only one out there. Um, Rob talks about it as well. And... Yeah, the nature of promotion. I've talked about this with um, Roger Woodall and Bournemouth Sevens in an earlier podcast. And, you know, how how easy it is to, to, to 
get your message through to people these days through social media. But again, you know, how crowded has that become in, in literally the 15 years since Rob's been doing the festivals where um, you, you were flyering people, you're putting posters up because you didn't have the money to advertise through, you know, TV, radio um, and in print. And Roger, I remember the Bournemouth 7 said the same thing about going up to Twickenham and flyering everybody he could get his hands on coming out of a England rugby event to to get him to come down to Bournemouth for, for the Bournemouth 7. So um, really interesting, really interesting. Um, and lastly, um, do have a listen to Rob's podcast, A to Z of Festivals. Um, it's really good, really nice interview with Emily Evis from Glastonbury on there, amongst other highlights. Thoroughly recommend it. Um, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Hope to see you at our event in October. We'll be back with a new episode this Saturday for this show as well. Thank you. If you like this podcast and you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. You'll be able to see our upcoming events calendar for the UK. Pick up a ticket from as little as £10, which includes complimentary drinks and the opportunity to meet and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs, find a mentor or an investor. You'll also have the opportunity to meet our speakers and ask them your burning questions in person. Hope to see you there. If you're an entrepreneur looking to start or scale their business, then I'd love to help you. Being part of the Startup You community means we can help you in a number of ways. Simply go to Facebook and find Startup You Club through the different groups on there and join. We can help you in a number of different ways through daily inspiration and education, through to accessing funding, investment and mentoring. In fact, pretty much anything that you'll need on your startup journey. And if you've got a great story that you'd like to share, then I'd also love to hear from you. Just go to startupview.co.uk, click on the contact page and drop me a message. I'd also love to connect with you personally. It's at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn and Twitter and at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. And if you enjoyed listening to this particular episode, then please subscribe and I'd massively appreciate a review. All you need to do is click on the ratings and review tab on iTunes and leave us your thoughts on there. Until the next show, remember, don't wait. The time will never be right. Action always beats intention. So just screw it. Just do it. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screw it, just do it to enter. Music.